This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone. Hour number two of two is officially underway. Appreciate everybody listening in. And if you want to get in on the conversation, call us up at 337 706 Zero one one one. We got Ross Jackson. He'll be coming aboard at the bottom of this hour. Get a little preview of the Saints' first preseason game. What he's looking forward to. Him. I'll get to what I'm looking forward to from the first preseason game. I think obviously I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the other guys look on the team. But I want to kind of open up hour number two, like I always do or like I've done throughout the summer. If I've got a couple more left before we get into – once we get into September, we're throwing this segment away and more important – well, I, I'm not going to say throw it away, but we're going to put it in storage until we get to next summer. It's going to be a lot like, you know, when you, when you break out, you know, the tiki torches and stuff during the summer. We're taking those, putting those in storage until we get to next summertime. And this one, I'm going to go ahead and preface it. Because if you didn't see last weekend, Edwin Diaz, his walkout from the bullpen as the closer, hands down, was one of those badass moments I've seen in a baseball game in a long time. Just the energy, the fans clapping in sync, all that stuff. I Don't ask why, but that's how much I enjoy watching baseball is moments like what I saw on Sunday was Edwin Diaz just walking to the mound with Narco, Timmy Trumpet playing in the background, just the energy that was brought. And it got me thinking. This is something I had back in like Monday in the notes about ideas for the show. And I was like, I got to ride with this because it's a great idea, first off. Add the fact that we're getting this like great moment, and it made me kind of remember and go back into my archives and say, hey, what are some of the best, and I'm not saying walk-up music, no. I'm saying straight up pitchers walking out from the bullpen. Whenever somebody comes out of that bullpen, you know that guy is probably a bad motor scooter. You need a song that's going to make sure people know that you are out there to end this game and send maybe the road, the team that's you're at. Let's say, hypothetically, the Astros, they play at Yankee Stadium. And they show up at Yankee Stadium, they're ready to rip the hearts out of that fan base. Mind you, the Astros have done that enough, more than enough, thanks in large part to one man, and that is Jose Altuve. But that's a different conversation for a different day. 
Today's conversation revolves around the best pitcher walkout songs of all time and also the best pitcher walkouts in general because a lot of guys do use similar songs. But I wanted to narrow it down to five. And I got to start off with, I think, a guy that innovated this gimmick in the world of baseball. And we go to fictional baseball. Kind of, sort of, because it was a professional team, but the players on it were nowhere near real. And that is the Cleveland Indians. Back then, they were called the Indians because we weren't necessarily as PC as we are these days. That's a different conversation for a different day. But we get to one Rick Wild Thing Vaughn, an X's cover of Wild Thing, which, for the record, is the way better version of Wild Thing. The Trogs version is fine but this version is far superior. When you have him show up during the ALCS, I, I think it was the ALCS, just based off of the context of it, that's what it seemed like to me. Either that or it was game 162. Size the point. You are the Cleveland Indians. You're facing off against the New York Yankees. And at this point, Rick Vaughn has found himself. He's wearing the glasses, and he comes out to wild things. And I tell you, I, I swear, and maybe it's the fact that I've become, I'm a wrestling fan and it's become the entrance music of one John Moxley, but I'll tell you, when I hear this intro, I just know a bad motor scooter is making his way to the building. And it's always, hands down, one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. But whenever you hear that song, when you hear that intro, you know Bad Motor Scooter and a Mean Go-Getter is coming out there and he's going to strike your ass out. I could say the other thing from the movie, but I'd probably get thrown off the air. And unlike the, the owner of the Indians, I don't hate this bleeping song one bit. It'll never get old. Absolutely a perfect walkout song and also just a perfect moment in cinema history and also the fact that it was on the major league soundtrack more than enough for me number four we're gonna go into the real stuff here number four i gotta put in jose valverde which astros fans may remember that name a little bit too well so i'm gonna go ahead and break it down for you because i've got a story to tell about this and, again, the top five is always personal. There's always a personal bias to it. And I think there's it's time for a quick story, if you will. In the summer of 2009, wound up making a little trip to Houston for a couple days. Got in town on the Wednesday. And what was, just for historical context, this was the same day where LSU was playing the Texas Longhorns in Game 3 of the College World Series. This is the last time LSU won the College World Series, by the way, 2009. And they opened up a whole can of whoop-ass on the Longhorns, which, love to see it. Love to see it. But also, love to see LSU getting the win in Houston. Right, we were in Houston while they were in Omaha. And I can just remember that for a lot of different reasons. But I digress. 
I go to the game the next afternoon at Minute Maid. It's a salesman special on a Thursday. And this was the first Astros game I'd been to in a long time. Like I think 2003, 2004 was the last time I went to an Astros game at that at this point in my life. And they're playing the Kansas City Royals. It's a Thursday afternoon. Same, like, a few hours later, find out Michael Jackson dies as I'm on my way back home. Because we pretty much hit the interstate right after. Because I got to get back to work on the Friday. Get to the ninth inning. And the opening rift of Saliva's Ladies and Gentlemen starts playing. I got chills the second that started playing. And he walked down that aisle determined to close out this series with a win. They lost the night before, but he was ready to take down this Royals team that was pretty mid, and again, they're pretty bad now. And that's what he did, shut him down in order, and it's one of the few times I've seen, him, seen them win in person. But that plays a huge role into it. When you hear a certain song, you hear a certain, like, I'll tell you right now, if I hear We Will Rock You in a stadium, chills. That's It's one of those songs that gives me the free songs. I can tell you that's absolutely a big reason why it winds up on this top five list. And Jose Valverde, back in the day, was a hell of a closer. Maybe towards the end of his career, he wasn't necessarily that great. He would blow a lot of saves. But I think Valverde, during his time with the Astros, especially the next year, he wound up hitting a career high in saves. He was a damn good player on the whole. Then we get to number three, Jonathan Papelbon, shipping up to Boston. You got to love a player giving a shout-out to the home team. And this was absolutely the perfect time to start doing this because this is right when the Red Sox were still kind of the lovable loser but weren't like the insufferable you-know-whats like they are now. Because the Boston Red Sox fans, and again, I think it's just Boston fan base in general, is insufferable. And I'll tell you why. First off, since the 2000s, that franchise, all the franchises in there, have had massive amounts of success. The Patriots, enough said. The Red Sox, they break the curse of the Grand Bambino. They win in 04. They, they win in 07. They win after the Boston Marathon bombing, all that stuff. 2013, they win. They win, they win, they win. And to a certain extent, they became who we who they hated, and they became the New York Yankees. You bring up the Boston Celtics; they were they were already one of the winningest franchises in history, regardless of sport in America. And then they wound up winning another championship in the late two thousands. The Boston Bruins had a good run, winning a couple Stanley Cup titles along the way. Boston teams and Boston fans, because of all that success, it's gone to their heads and they're a little bit entitled and I think a lot of bit of insufferable. I like Dallas Cowboy fans are. Boston fans, for a while, they were great because they were the lovable losers, the underdogs. But now they're the reviled winners. And regardless of sport, and I think especially because the fact that, obviously, it's one Bill Belichick kind of is that ringleader that's kind of made this city of Boston one of the most hated cities 
in all of sportsdom. But Jonathan Papelbon shipping it up to Boston at the time, absolutely loved it. Used it for the bulk of his run with the Red Sox. And then when he left to go to the Phillies, the Dropkick Murphys outright told him, you cannot use that anywhere else. You are banned from using it, which is phenomenal stuff, first off. But then we get to the guy that started this top five list in the first place, Edwin Diaz. And it's called Narco, I believe it's Blaster Jacks and Timmy Trumpet. When you hear that trumpet and everybody's getting into it, that's what plays a huge role in this as well. And recency bias is here, trust me. And there's a lot that are in this honorable mention pile that I think we could all agree are pretty doggone good. But number two is that. And it's simply because of how glorious number one is, regardless of your thoughts on this franchise, regardless of your thoughts on this player. And when I saw the video over the weekend, I was blown away. The fans, Mr. Met, damn near everybody getting into it. You're seeing Mr. Met play the trumpet. That entire moment is amazing. And he's just walking down. He waits for the exact moment that trumpet kicks in. And you know that this dude is a badass and he's going to take you down. And I can't wait till later this month. I hope that somebody, some network, kind of catches wind and realize, hey, on this day, he's going to be playing. Let's get it on national TV with Narco playing. Timmy Tremont will be at City Field later this month. And if we get Diaz walking out and gets a live entrance from Timmy Trumpet, I don't care if he blows the save or not. That's hands down going to be one of the greatest atmospheres in sports. I think only match by University of Wisconsin heading into the fourth quarter and you hear jump around. There ain't much better than that. Number one with a bullet, I think we all got to agree. Despite the fact that I hate the Yankees with every ounce of my being, Damn it, I have to respect Mariano Rivera and his walkout music of Inter Sandman. Everybody knew him for his cutter, but then when he started playing Inter Sandman, not long after, you had Trevor Hoffman start using Hell's Bells, and he saw how great of a vibe that was. He took it, and it became as closely associated to him as ECW original The Sandman, it became synonymous. Not just with the band Metallica, probably one of my favorite songs from them of all time, but it became essential to see him come out. The inner Sandman, the second they came on, you knew, like, oh bleep, I gotta face him. And he's the quintessential closer and an absolute goat for a reason. Honorable mentions, I got to throw in the L.A. Dodgers, Eric Gagne, welcome to the jungle, or Gagne, however you want to pronounce it. One of the best closers from when I was growing up. And when he'd come out to welcome to the jungle, especially during his peak, you knew your day was done. You knew you were screwed. There was no way you were getting out of this. The dude had like 50-something-plus consecutive saves. I remember every single day like during the summer, I'd turn on SportsCenter. Boom. He's on the highlights. Boom. You're seeing you know, 
40th straight save. The dude was putting up a streak that even the Undertaker would blush at. He was like that. And also, Welcome to the Jungle is just an S tier walkout music, period. Don't believe me? Ask Jim Rome. He's pretty much built a brand off of that. Then we get to Boston Red Sox again. More of a more modern era. Koji Uara. Sandstorm. Darude. Absolutely. Stadium anthem. But I was watching a video of him come out and people are clapping in sync to the music. Again, atmosphere plays a huge role in this. Absolutely. And that's a big reason why I kind of lean towards that. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll talk about the Houston Astros and more importantly, the return of one player in particular. And also some MLB overarching thoughts. Ross Jackson joins us around the bottom of this hour. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The red-hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways, powered by Butcher AC, La Meridia, and Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear. With Under the Dome. With the world-famous CD. On the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, and today is the perfect time to break it out. And I learned from somebody that used to be on this fine station that you wait until you hear that primal scream before you start talking. And of course, it's the return of the Mac Colors tonight. Lance McCullers back in action for the first time since 2020. Since the LDS against the Chicago White Sox. Think about that. It's been a long time since he's been on the mound. And he's back tonight. Cannot freaking wait for that. But that's that's future talk. Right now, you can sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And we can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll be able to win all kinds of tremendous prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located inside Cypress Bayou Casino and Hotel. But also, you get a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill. So many great options for you to improve your date night. And more importantly, so many opportunities for you to win. That's not all we got. You heard the Astros We Can Get Away promo before we came back. You got that. 
And trust me, we reload this thing a lot. We got some great prizes coming on down the pike that you need to keep an eye on. Trust me, we got you covered when it comes to great prizes. So if you haven't signed up already, go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If not, what the hell are you waiting for? Go ahead and do so. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. But yeah. Like, the fact that the Astros have Lance McCullers coming back, and it is the perfect time for him to come back. And I think the Astros absolutely are loving the fact that they got this news. Mainly because of the fact that you have him back at the right time. Because right now, you are starting to pass up the New York Yankees. The Yankees haven't necessarily been the best team in baseball by any stretch of the imagination. The Astros are currently now in control at 73 and 41, while the Yankees are 71 and 42. The gap's still pretty close, but the Astros are stepping into the right kind of pace at the right time. Now, of course. Being the number one seed doesn't amount to a hill of beans. You don't win a President's Cup like you do in the in the NHL. All that matters is what your record is in that final series of the year. And that is the World Series. That's all that matters. If you're the Astros, if you're the Yankees, or any of the other 28 teams in the league. But I think seeing Lance McCullers back after almost two years away from the sport of baseball, you love to see it. His story alone, he spent the last year rehabbing and recovering from a Tommy John surgery. It sidelined him after that ALDS against the Chicago White Sox. And I think it's perfect timing. Again, McCullers had one of his best years of his career by far in that COVID-shortened 2020 season. How's he going to look after his long-awaited return? Again, we Played it. Return of the Mac. Colors. How's he going to look? Hopefully, the Astros can keep it rolling. Because, mind you, thankfully, you're playing the Oakland A's, who haven't done anything of relevance since George Bush was in office. The Oakland A's are a dumpster fire and then some 41-72. and 72. And you whipped up on them a little bit last night. Hopefully, we see... Lance McCullers get that run support. That's been the biggest issue. And I agree with what Foote said in Foote's Friday Fury that we put out on social media. By the way, if you haven't followed us on social media yet, what the hell are you doing? Go ahead and do that today. Just search Game Louisiana or The Game Louisiana. You'll find us. It's just that simple. But I got to tell you, I was not a fan of the Field of Dreams game this year. I said it last year that it should have just been a one-time thing, but of course, the MLB, a lot like any other league, is greedy. And I got to say, they decided to get a little bit too cute. Don't get me wrong. I was entertained by the game itself. But did we really need... A hologram Harry Carey. Apparently somebody must have watched the hologram Tupac from Coachella about a decade ago and realized, hey, our 
technology is a little bit better. Let's go ahead and have a hologram of Harry Carey. Heading into the seventh inning to sing the seventh inning stretch. Did we really need to see that? I don't think so. It was an abomination and then some in my mind to see that. And again, last year's should have been the only year it ever happened. It should have been just a moment isolated and giving people a great thing to see. You know, you saw Kevin Costner come out the corn the first time, and it's an amazing moment. The players coming out of the cornfield. It's emotional to see that. Somebody who loves Field Dreams. The movie came out on the day I was born, for crying out loud. And yes, I'm that old. I'm interested to see how this is going to go going forward. Next year, they're not going to do it because, well, they want to put more butts in the seats, which is justifiable, but at the same time, it's already, the law of diminishing returns has already happened on this game, first of all, because I am just not a fan of running it back again and starting to really take away the impact that you had. Again, it's great to see this game in Iowa. The Field of Dreams game, it's cool, but I honestly would much rather see this be an occasional thing rather than a yearly event. Hell, if you want to do a freaking game where hypothetically it's a an all-star game there, far be it for me to stop you. That would be really cool. That would make me interested in the all-star game a lot more than a home run derby after nine. That would make me much more interested in watching the game. But they want the money, so 2023, it won't happen because they're adding more seats in the stadium. But enough about baseball. Let's get back to the football side of things. Because we got Ross Jackson coming aboard the program in just a few moments. Talk to him about the Saints heading into their big preseason game and so much more. Keep it locked right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. You're getting more under the dome with CD right now on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We got your chance to see the Houston Astros live and in living color. With our Astros weekend getaway number four, we got up for grabs right now. And the Astros are red hot right now. Taking on the Baltimore Orioles on August 27th. And you can be there live at Minute Maid 
All you got to do is sign up in the Game Clubhouse, and you'll be able to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Now we get, got to flip it over to the world of the NFL. And to do that, we talk with our guy Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, also part of Saints Wire, which is part of the USA Today Network. Ross, how you doing, brother? And how good does it feel to be talking to you on a game day Saturday like we are right now? Oh, I can't. I'm so excited. I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, looking forward to the season finally getting underway. Um, you know, I know it's just preseason kicking off tonight, but I think even still, I mean, there's a lot of excitement around uh, just getting football back as a whole. I mean, got to watch a couple of games last night. So I'm jazzed, man. I'm ready to go. Oh, it's absolutely exciting to say the very least. And let's start off with the big story, Jameis Winston. He injures his foot, and it looks to be something like, much ado about nothing right now, but I think a lot of people obviously were concerned and maybe how how long that could sideline him for. What's your level of concern on the injury? Yeah, very low, very little. I mean, uh, you know, look, I we see how quickly news comes out about, like, Zach Wilson, for instance, when there's, you know, kind of a, a suspected major injury, and then all of a sudden we find out it's just kind of a bone bruise or something like that. Like, there's just these things where, like, you kind of know the routine of the NFL after a while. And so for this, when you're not hearing much and you're hearing from the team directly, I mean, Dennis Allen even saying that they don't think it's a big deal. It doesn't seem like it's going to be any type of a big issue or anything like that. That puts me, you know, puts me in a situation to where I kind of go, okay, cool. They're, they're playing, you know, it's precautionary there, or it is cautionary. They're, you know, taking all the precautions that they need to and all by keeping him off the field during, practice and stuff like that, knowing that he wasn't going to play this weekend pretty much anyway. There's not really a reason to rush him back. So I'll be excited to see if he's going to be there in Green Bay for the joint practices. But even if he's not for the first day or, or even for you know those couple of practices, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think that it's right. I mean, you have your QB1, you have your guy in the building, and obviously you don't want to risk that ahead of the, the week one of the regular season. Exactly. I mean, my thing was – were you even going to see Jameis Winston play more than like a series? I mean, it, it's a lot like right. it my thought process is because I'm going back to one of the first years the scenes started going to that seven and nine trend. Drew Brees pretty much missed all of the preseason, came back, he was perfectly fine. And now that you've got mm -hmm. a lot of talent around you, does it really matter that he's going to potentially just miss the preseason out of sheer precaution? Just be out there, practice to kind of make sure it's good, but he's going to be more limited in practice, I would think. Yeah, I think that becomes, you know, maybe where the Saints go next. If they were to go along with the situations where, he, you know, he hardly took any preseason reps, I think you still want to get him involved in, you know, practice a bit so he continues to build chemistry with those new players. But, I mean, look, I've been out there for three weeks now, and in the two weeks that we got to see Jameis Winston, there's chemistry already between those guys. And the good news is when you have Michael Thomas out there, even if you're you're struggling with chemistry a little bit, the principle is still the same. Throw it up in his general direction and see what he's able to do with it. And I think you kind of have that same, you know, um, that same ability with the the talents of a Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave is already a player that fits so well in terms of the mold of player that Jameis Winston has excelled with in the past. So you know, building chemistry is certainly important, but I think sometimes we kind of overinflate a little bit about what it takes to get that done, especially with all the offseason work that these players have already gotten gotten in. Uh, I think maybe the only one you're looking at 
maybe wanting to build a greater chemistry with is Michael Thomas. But, you know, just like we mentioned, even if you're struggling for chemistry early on in the season there, you're going to get to that place where you just kind of understand the general rule when it comes to Michael Thomas is put it in a general direction. Exactly, and it's just been great to see him as well because the last couple days, based off what I've been reading from you and also a lot of other people that cover the Saints, is that Michael Thomas has been looking fantastic the last few days in practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's looked, you know, I mean, he's been outstanding. And, you know, I think we we oftentimes hear, you know, Michael Thomas from the national perspective being sort of connected to, oh, well, he only, you know, he produced and he had those numbers that he had, you know, over the course of his career so far with Drew Brees and Jameis Winston's a very different quarterback. And I like to remind people that he also had an 80.8% completion percentage when targeted by Teddy Bridgewater over the course of five games in 2019, and an 81.1% completion percentage for, with Taysom Hill in 2020 over the course of four games. And we've seen him now go 5 of 5, 4 of 4, 3 of 4, you know, all of this with guys like Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston over the course of training camp. The fact of the matter is, Jameis Winston, excuse me, well, Michael Thomas is a very good wide receiver, and he's not being made by the person that's throwing him the passes. He's just that good. And so I think that, you know, the, the concerns around Michael Thomas not returning to quote unquote 2019 form is, you know, a little bit short sighted in, in, in two different ways. I mean, one of which being the concern around the quarterback not being Drew Brees when we've seen him produce with other non Drew Brees quarterbacks. But at the same time, you don't need him to be 2019 Michael Thomas either because you've got Jarvis Landry, you've got Chris Olave, you've got Taysom Hill, you have these pass catchers that can all of a sudden contribute all across the offense. So you don't necessarily need him to come in and have 149 catches and 1,700 yards. You're instead looking for him to be maybe even just as good as he was his rookie season before he even played an NFL game and was learning an NFL playbook, and you'd be more than happy with that going into 2022. You mean to tell me the national media is hating on the Saints with, since Drew Brees retired? Yeah, I mean, this, this is breaking news right here. I didn't. I didn't realize we we're going to get this kind of stuff on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm always here to bring the uh, the hard hitting, uh, the hard hitting breaking news, particularly when it comes to national media. It's so interesting. I mean, you know, Jeff Duncan from over at uh, NOLA.com did a great piece where you know he he collected sort of polled all of us in New Orleans media about what we thought the New Orleans Saints would finish. And I think the worst that he got from any of us was like a nine-win team. Uh, But many of us expect the scene to be better than it was last year because we're looking at the things that this team has this year that it didn't have last year. And I think the flip side of that is the national media that tends to look at the team and try to figure out what they don't have this year versus what they had last year. And really the only answer you can come up with there is Drew Brees, but they also didn't have him last year. They still finished 9 of 8 despite starting four different quarterbacks. And then, of course, Sean Payton, which I think will have an impact, don't get me wrong, but I do still think that with what you know about Dennis Allen and the majority of Sean Payton's coaching staff that's still there and the fantastic changes and and new faces that they brought in, guys like Cody Burns and Matt Rea, Doug Marone coming back, all of that, at this team, if you look at what it does have versus what it didn't have last year, that to me is a greater net positive than the net negative of what they don't have this year versus what they had last year. We're talking right now, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, also covers the Saints for the Saints Wire, part of USA Today. And that's what I wanted to get to because I, saw, I read that kind of compilation of everybody's thoughts and opinions on the Saints, where their record was mm-hmm. going to be. And I also kind of did some earlier today looking at kind of the NFC as a whole and how they're uh, how they fit in a tier list. And I have the Saints as an A tier team. Is that kind of justified in your mind? 
Did you have an S tier above that? Yes, I had an S tier above that. Or was A tier the top tier? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah then I think you're absolutely right. That's exactly where I would put them too. In that case, I, I would I would look at them as a, a quote unquote second tier team, right? But still a very very good team. Like that's still a playoff team. You look at the rest of the NFC. The sort of mass exodus of quarterbacks from the NFC to the AFC over the course of the offseason, and you look at where where the New Orleans defense very likely ranks across the NFC, and this is one of the better defenses in, in the conference, one of the better defenses in the league. And so I think that alone, in terms of the continuity that you're carrying over from year to year, the defense that you have there, and the skill position players that you've added over the course of the offseason, it's hard not to look at this roster going into 2022. It's hard not to take into consideration what we've seen in practice and say that this team isn't one of the better teams in the conference. It just doesn't make sense to me to say anything otherwise, because as of right now, until we see otherwise on the field, right, there's a good chance, there's a chance that they go out there, and then we see that, oh, this isn't the team that we thought that they were. That's, that can happen. That happens every year with teams. But I don't know that that's happening with this one. And certainly the outlook from this point, right, as we speak here in the middle of August, it should be a very positive and optimistic one for this team. Looking at the game tonight, Ross, when they take on the Houston Texans, a team that honestly feels like they're more towards the bottom of the barrel but could be kind of coming out of that, seeing light at the end of the tunnel, heading into tonight's game, what are things you're looking forward to seeing this preseason game, number one? Yeah, I think the things that you're looking for most are, for me, all have to do with either trench play, so the offensive and defensive line, uh, but then also just tackling. I mean, look, you get these you get these padded practices in practice, you know, during training camp, but they're not necessarily live practices. So you're not really getting full contact, tackling, taking players to the ground, and all of that. So you're you're tackling dummies, you're tackling you know pads, you're 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 you're, you're working on your fundamentals, and you're doing all the things that are necessary to be able to do that. But I, I think tackling is a big thing that I'm I'm going to be paying attention to uh, in this game. And you know, there might be players that are incredibly talented in coverage let's say linebackers for instance that might be incredibly talented in coverage but if they can't tackle they're not making a team they're not pushing for a roster spot and so i think that's a big piece that i'm going to be looking for and then also how players receive contact same thing for running backs running backs are going to be a very big intrigue in this game you're not going to see alvin Kamara. you're very unlikely to see mark ingram so you're getting straight to the competition with guys like dwayne washington tony jones jr abram smith and divine Zigbo. But who are the guys that can handle the contact, not put the ball on the ground, that can break through contact? We haven't been able to – you can't really see that in practice. So that's, that's a big piece that we're looking for. Offensive and defensive line play always takes a step forward once you actually get to hit a guy that you're not familiar with uh, and block a guy that you're not familiar with. So that's pretty self-explanatory. And then special teams because, you know, you're going to see some of the best football that you're going to see in the preseason usually happens on special teams because those are the guys that are playing for their dream, that are playing for their opportunity to become NFL players and live out what it is that they've dedicated their entire lives to. So I love watching special teams play during the preseason as well. I got one more uh, before I let you go, more about the Saints Mm -hmm. heading into the regular season. Is Alvin Kamara, uh, there's a report that came out yesterday from Michael Balco, Balco, however you want to pronounce his last name, saying that a suspension for Saints running back Alvin Kamara is more likely to rec- more likely to occur, excuse me, in 2023 rather than in 2022. How much of that can we kind of say? Hey, that there's some legitimacy to this, especially with kind of this court case continually being held up and postponed and pushed back. 
Yeah. Um, look, I'll be honest. I, I wouldn't. I. I don't know about that particular report. But what I will say is that there's a chance that that is the case. There's also a chance that that's not the case. Uh, we kind of have to see how the legal process plays out. And and there's there's a couple of things to pay attention to. First of which is that 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 court case has already been postponed, or or the, the other phrase is continued, um, three times already. It was supposed to happen way back when, and it ended up getting pushed back because there was no evidence being delivered to. Uh, Kamara's team. The second time it got pushed back was because evidence was delivered, but there wasn't time to review it. And in this time, it just kind of got pushed back. And so if it gets pushed back one more time, because now we're talking about like September 29th-ish being the, um, being the next uh, date there, uh, that's, you know, when this team is supposed to be heading to London as well. So, you know, that kind of overlaps a little bit with some international travel. So that could potentially end up forcing this to get pushed back again. And if it gets continued for another two months, then we're into the end of December, the beginning of, of the year. And then there's more time on top of that because this is a hearing. So something can happen, something couldn't happen coming out of that. That would be an official ruling before the NFL even gets to the point where they start discussing what type of, you know, um, discipline that they might hand down. So then once the NFL then hands that down, Alvin Kamara can appeal and then play all throughout the appeals process, which usually takes a couple of weeks. It's one of the reasons why Deontay Hardy's uh, suspension was so late uh, in the season. It was it, the, the ruling came down in terms of legal process at the beginning of November, but his suspension didn't kick in until the end of November because it was delayed with the appeals process. And so you could see something like that happening. And then by then you're into January, February, and very like you know at that point you're not being you're not going to get suspended for anything in 2022 because 2022 is basically over by that point so that would end up pushing things into 2023 so is that possible absolutely it can 100% happen to say that one is more likely than the other might be a little premature because we have to see how the legal process actually plays out first we can have all of our NFL sources and things like that that we want if you don't have a source in you know, law <laughs> and the judge and jury of that case, then you don't necessarily know exactly how everything's going to play out. So you have to wait to see how the legal process plays out before we can start relying on any type of reports about what the NFL is going to do next. You brought the Saints some uh, joint practices next week with the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to go ahead and put an over-under of one and a half fights involving Trevor Penning. <laughs> okay, I will uh, – one and a half. I'll take the under. I'll take the under on that because I, I could see one fight potentially happening, particularly with you know these guys being unfamiliar with Trevor Penning now. You know these these the Green Bay Packers, and they might try to bait him into some stuff too. Uh, but I, I think you know, look, you might see you might see one, but there's only two practices, so that makes it a little bit tough to, to tough to take the over on that. Uh, but I'll be at those practices, so I'm very excited to see that. I'm excited to see how Trevor Penning ends up shaping up against some other NFL competition. Uh, you know, he mentioned he's you know kind of used now to what Peyton Turner and and Taco Charlton do and stuff. So he's looking forward to you know getting up against you know getting a lot of reps up against unfamiliar faces. So I'm excited to see how he performs over the course of those joint practices. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. Yeah, man. Right back at you. I appreciate you as always. Thanks to you and everybody at the station. Take care and stay safe. Oh, we'll do, Ross. We'll do. Appreciate him coming on. We'll take a quick time out. One final take. And then we get out of here for the weekend. Back after this on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Your home for the Astros and LSU Tigers. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out.
Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. One final take, and then we get out of here on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And I want to go ahead and just say this. LSU is out their minds with some of the stuff they're pulling. And not stuff pulling behind the scenes, but more stuff that's out in the open. Namely, this is coming from Podcat of And the Valley Shook, or formerly there. He no longer is really doing that. He's kind of more just behind-the-scenes type of cat now. But apparently there's a tailgate season package nowadays. And again, some of this, it's just the SOS standard protocol with a lot of these programs in 2022. I know the Cajuns, they largely have theirs set up through RCAF. That's who gets to be in the tailgating area by Cajun Field. Everybody else got to go park on the side of the road. Thank God they made that free, by the way. Thank God they made that free. But the standard tailgate package includes 10 by 20 high peaks and all this typical stuff. They have a deluxe tailgate, though, and a season package is, wait for it, $13,499. grand for tailgating. Back in the day, they used to be free. They used to be free. But now they're charging you $13,000. Are you kidding me? This is the most insane thing I have ever seen in my life. Thirteen grand to go get drunk before a football game. To go park your car, your RV, whatever. Like, when I saw that, I damn near had an aneurysm. Because that makes me think that this is the tip of the iceberg. I'm about to imagine some other programs are even more exorbitant. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Appreciate you listening in. Be back with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Get that much closer to the start of college football season and the NFL season when it really matters. Take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs>